Hey, Spotify, real quick, before we get started, please make sure to follow us right here on Spotify. You might have to click my name, Bob Enyart, to see the follow button. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. Welcome to Bob and Yurt Live. I'm the pastor of Denver Bible Church. We'll continue our discussion from yesterday. Remember John MacArthur is in the news from eternity past? We actually were making a theological argument against the ancient humanist philosophical claim that the future is settled. Some call it fate. Pagan philosophers have even called it providence. And so we made an argument against that, that God is alive and free and can think new thoughts and write new songs, design new butterflies, and so the future is open and not settled. We want to continue that, but first, a bit of news. Glenn Beck, today, Wednesday, August 26, 2020, Glenn Beck today is 40 years behind us. Here at Bob and Yurt Live, I'll explain why. Also, NBC, remember they fired that liberal pro-abort, what was her name? Megan Kelly from Fox News. They gave her tens of millions of dollars. Had a show, Megan Kelly, today. She mentioned blackface for a Halloween costume. And her show was canceled by NBC. Meanwhile, what has just resurfaced on the internet, but Jimmy Fallon, you know, NBC's Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, that guy, doing a skit, wearing blackface, and saying his punchlines were utterly mocking of blacks. So we'll talk about that, and also a bit about the left wanting power, so much so that they're willing to support a racist to get power. Right? That's with Joe Biden, of course. All right. So, Glenn Beck today was urging his audience to do what we thought of doing 40 years ago. And after a very short amount of time, we realized my family, Bob Enyart, soon to become Bob Enyart Live and Pastor Denver Bible Church. We realized that it was a complete waste. It was actually a mistake to get involved with your school board, your local public school board of education, in order to improve the school. We realized that was a big mistake, and there were people in Denver who were involved with this almost full-time doing this, and I remember going to them and laying out the case that they would help young people, children, families, far more if they put the same effort into urging families to take their kids out of the public schools. Don't try to get prayer into the public schools. Get the kids out of public school and homeschool. I mean, Christian school, private school, as a far second best, but the best is homeschooling. And don't try to improve the godless public schools, it's like trying to take a brothel and making it a little bit better 
or mopping the deck on the Titanic as it's going down. And so here's Glenn Beck today urging parents, get involved with your local school board, find out what they're teaching. And that, of course, is not only an exercise in futility, it gives parents a false sense of security that, well, if they're involved, their kids will be safe in their godless public school. Or you put God in back into the school and things will be worse. They will be worse. They won't be better. Because God does not authorize government schools. Government schools are inherently unbiblical. Advocating for them is inherently sinful. And putting God into something that is inherently sinful doesn't make it better. It would be like requiring prayer at a brothel every night. Would that improve the brothel? Okay, so we go from Glenn Beck. He's 40 years behind. There's hope for him. When there's life, there's hope. Maybe he'll come to the Lord and trust in Jesus Christ. He is a cultist. He's a, a Mormon, of course. You could go to our website, kgov.com Mormons, and listen to our secret recording when I had the opportunity here in town at a listener's home to speak with Mormons. We recorded that for you so you can hear that. You could also find it at kgov, kgov.com slash cults, C-U-L-T-S. Of course, Glenn Beck, tragically, like his church, is against abolishing abortion. Uh, if you think otherwise, you're just not listening carefully. You could go to our website, prolifeprofiles.com, and click on the Mormon Church in Tier 4, Personhood Never, and you'll see that they have many exceptions where they say abortion should be supported for this reason and this reason and this reason and this reason and this reason. Just horrific. And then we have NBC. You know, like the left, if they need to support a racist to get power, that's absolutely fine with them. They'll make every excuse possible to say, well, he's not a racist, or if he is, he's not a bad racist, Joe Biden. And of course he is, right? Barack Obama is the first well-spoken, clean black that he's encountered. Now, how weird that is? And Hispanics have diversity in their thinking, but not blacks. Blacks are a monolith. And on and on for decades, his well-known racist career and we've said on this show, Bob and Your Live, for decades that the left, when they use blacks, they keep blacks on their political plantation to get power and votes, but they really despise blacks. Generally speaking, it appears, and Joe Biden is exhibit A for this right now, that the leftists who claim to care about blacks and the Democrats are themselves actually racist. And they'd rather hang out with anybody but blacks. Certainly, if all the blacks you've known throughout your whole life, until 12 years ago, were all dirty, I mean, who wants to hang out with dirty people? So Joe Biden is a racist. But NBC, they too, they don't care if something is racist, as long as somehow making an excuse for it or ignoring it is in their self-interest. So... This Saturday Night Live sketch from 20 years ago has begun making the rounds online. 
It's been posted on YouTube with the subtitle, NBC fired Megyn Kelly for mentioning blackface. Jimmy Fallon performed on NBC in blackface. So how's that? I'd like to read to you a couple of the lines in the skit, the things Jimmy Fallon said, but it's actually hard to read them. I want to give you a warning. This is extremely ugly and offensive. Now, somebody, when was it? Yesterday, one of the listeners to our show said, hey, the left hates Donald Trump because of how he communicates. He's very harsh and blunt. (laughs) That's not why the left hates Donald Trump. You know how many of their favorites are offensive and harsh and blunt and worse? I mean, which of their heroes are not vulgar? Think of ABC's Bill Maher and Politically Correct. I had the opportunity to go on that show a few times. In fact, you could see those appearances if you go to our store, kgov.com slash store, and get the DVD, Bob Debates the Stars. Is that a download also? Bob, yeah, you could get it on DVD or get it right away and download it. You could watch it right on your computer, your phone, your tablet. So it's not true that the left dislikes Donald Trump because of his demeanor. If he himself were a leftist, which he is in a lot of ways, promoting homosexuality in a dozen socialist programs that are part of the acceptable forms of socialism that the right and Republicans promote in our country, and giving Planned Parenthood over his signature more than a billion dollars and filling the courts with federal judges who accept the central holding of Roe v. Wade that the unborn child is not a person, and launching a worldwide effort to decriminalize homosexuality in every country on the globe. Imagine that. Homosexuality is more deadly than Islamic terror. It's more destructive to American children, the family, the culture, the church, not only in America, but they're making sure that every corner of the globe is undermined with the promotion of this vile sexual immorality. If you want to know what the Bible says, Old and New Testaments, about homosexuality, just go to our website, kgov.com slash homos. So warning, okay, I'm going to read some of this skit here. So Jimmy Fallon says... He's in blackface, and he says, I've seen Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, some TV show. And guess what? Not a lot of black folks on the show. Know why? Because black folks don't like to answer questions. And that implies that they're all criminals, and so they don't want to answer questions. Oh, they want to be millionaires, but you got to ask their kind of question, like, How many grams of crack did Rick James smoke when he recorded Super Freak? And how about this one? You think the only way to get a brother on the show is to name it Who Wants 50 Bucks in a Pair of Pumas? I mean, this is so demeaning and mocking of blacks. And so NBC, what hypocrites they are, they 
condemn Megan Kelly and cancel her show. Megan Kelly today, that's fine. She's a child killer, so that's fine. How do you know she supports abortion? How do you know she's against abolition? Well, she was on Fox in prime time. That's, that pretty much proves she's against abolition and that she supports homosexuality, legitimizes homosexuality. That means to declare it legally valid. And if those are the only two things you know about someone who comes across to millions of people as though they're conservative, Republican, Christian, if those are the only two things you knew about someone, then you can infer many other really dangerous things that are likely to be true. And that's the case. So I couldn't care less that NBC took Megyn Kelly off the air. In fact, that's great. But that's after she discussed the use of blackface as part of a Halloween costume. She definitely didn't defend it the way it's been used in history to promote not only racial stereotypes like Jimmy Fallon was doing in the actual skit itself, not only by the blackface, but to promote racism. So Kelly, she apologized the next day. Her show was canceled. Fallon, I don't think he said a word about it uh, until it resurfaced. And then he apologized. He said this on Twitter, I made a terrible decision to do an impersonation in blackface. I'm very sorry. Well, how about for the skit itself, Jimmy? How about for that? And you might think, well, I'm not racist, but how about the couple million people in your audience who are all over the spectrum in their attitudes toward blacks, good, bad, or indifferent, and you're mocking them as really just criminals who are interested mostly in crack cocaine? How about that? So NBC isn't interested in zero tolerance for racism, just as the left, Black Lives Matter, they're happy to support a white racist if they think it will get them power. They're happy to support a white racist because Black Lives Matter, they're not even against racist. In fact, they are racist. Black Lives Matter to white police officers Black lives don't matter to Black Lives Matter. I mean, as a policy statement, black lives do not matter to the leadership of Black Lives Matter. And have they condemned the violence at all, the looting, the arson, the assaults, the murder? Have they condemned any of it? No. And also on the left up in Canada, Justin Trudeau, right, the prime minister, In Virginia, the Democrat governor, Ralph Northam, didn't he repeatedly dress up in blackface and he gets a pass? So the hypocrisy is no kidding. The hypocrisy is obvious. And conservatives, those who are especially sort of slow, will say, well, why doesn't the media expose the left? Because the media is the left. They are the left. Of course, they're not going to expose and show as evil that which they advocate. And that brings us to this humanist philosophical idea that the future is settled. Pagan philosophers in the past have called it providence. 
They've also called it fate. It goes back earlier than the pagan Greeks. It goes back to the pagan Sumerians and their Enuma Elish, their creation epic, their creation myth. And with the Greeks, Zeus creates the fates, his daughters, the fates, and then he gets trapped in fate himself, even though he's the father of the fates, and he's stuck. He can't do anything other than what fate has decreed. So it's all ludicrous, but Augustine very consciously incorporated pagan Greek philosophy, Plato's ideas, into Christian theology, into the scriptures, when he admitted in his book Confessions that he interpreted the Bible based on Plato. Not every verse, but as he said, especially the difficult verses, especially Paul's writings, for example, especially Genesis 1, when he didn't believe that God could create in seven days because God can't do anything in sequence. So he thinks God created in an instant. And when God the Father says from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, Augustine, who's considered the most influential Christian theologian in history by Luther and Calvin and the vast majority of theologians, Augustine said God the Father could not have created that voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Why couldn't he do that? Because to do that, you have to put words one after another, even syllables, and God can do nothing in succession. So Augustine actually writes that God can't do that. Is that bizarre? The theology that you have been trapped into, not realizing, it sounded so nice that God has a plan for my life and there are no coincidences and all the evil that happens in the world, all the perversion, all the hatred, all the divorce, it's all because it brings God glory. I don't know. That doesn't really sound nice to me. But a lot of Christians, for whatever reason, they think that it sounds nice to say that God decreed a million men to not only sexually assault but to rape children, torture many of them, bury some of them alive, kill them, because it maximizes his glory. That is blasphemous. That doctrine is actually blasphemous. Now, if you love God and you have been deceived into believing that doctrine, it's not as though now he hates you, but as the Bible says, we can grieve God. We believers will grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin. And when we attribute every form of filth and perversion to God's eternal decree, to God's desires, then we are blaspheming him. So now to my article at opentheism.org. Right on the top menu, there is our Open Theism verse list of 570 verses in 33 categories, showing overwhelming evidence that the future is not settled, like the pagan Sumerians believed in the Greeks, but that the future is open because God is free and he can think new thoughts. So in that top-level menu... 
There's our verse list, and there's an article on time, and there's a timeline for open theism teachings, and there's the YouTube videos on open theism and an open theism store. But there's also a menu item titled Aseity, A-S-E-I-T-Y. And we decided to title it that because it might get some people's attention because most people are not familiar with the term aseity. What does that mean? And it's a theological doctrine, a concept that goes back many centuries. And while the meaning has changed over the years, the concept of God being a self-existent being, that from eternity past he's self-existent and he's the only necessary being. For example, any of us, we're not necessary for the creation to exist. I mean, now that we do exist, yeah, now we're part of reality, and you can't describe reality apart from including you in it, because you're part of reality. But theoretically, reality didn't need to include us, and if you go back a few generations, it didn't include us. Well, the title of this article is Foreknowledge versus the necessary and self-existent being. Because if God has exhaustive foreknowledge of everything from eternity past, that means he has never known existence apart from knowing you. Apart from knowing you. And worse than all this, all these classical theologians from Augustine on, they all teach that God exists outside of time and that he lives his entire life in one instant. That's why he's not able to say, this is my beloved son. He can't say that because that takes multiple steps. God can do nothing in succession. God only experiences the entirety of his life in an instantaneous point, a simultaneity. And so it's in that simultaneity that he knows you. And what that means then is God has never known existence apart from you. And so we say, obviously, this is a false doctrine. For one thing, it undermines God as the self-existent being from eternity past. And secondly, it makes you a necessary being. If exhaustive foreknowledge were true, and from eternity past, God knew you, then if God didn't know you and you exist, then his knowledge would be incomplete. And by their definition of the essential divine attributes, God could not be God because he would be lacking some information. So it turns out that you are a necessary being in that you undermine God's being from eternity past, the self-existent being. If this doctrine is true, but thankfully it's not true, it's false. Exhaustive foreknowledge and that the future is settled, that's all false. No matter which version you take of it, Arminian, Calvinist, or something called Molinism, it's false. So the article had an introduction, and then the necessary Calvin with a question mark, and then the necessary Sproul, R.C. Sproul with a question mark. And that section ended that if this doctrine were true, then 
John MacArthur, John Piper, right? By their bad doctrine, God could not be self-existent, for he would be dependent in part on MacArthur, Piper, and Sproul. And that brings us to the next section of the article, Exhaustive Foreknowledge versus Aseity, this doctrine. Over the centuries, theologians have changed the scope of the doctrine of aseity, but it rightly includes God's absolute independence, self-sufficiency, and self-existence from eternity past. However, if exhaustive foreknowledge were a true and essential attribute, then through eternity past, God could not be God apart from the knowledge of you, the reader of this article, or you, the listener to this episode of Bob and Yurt Live, nor apart from knowing Calvin, Arminius, Sproul, Piper, MacArthur, and everyone else, all of whom, therefore, would also be necessary beings. And with all these eternally necessary beings, no single being could be absolutely independent, self-sufficient, and self-existent. Thankfully, though, neither the author nor the reader or listener nor any luminaries or unknowns were necessary beings, but only God, whose aseity stands as exhaustive foreknowledge falls. The settled view is the belief that the future is exhaustively foreknown and therefore settled. The Reformation broke with Rome, but not with Greece. You know, some people online, like on the Facebook page, God is Open, have called out that line as being one of the best lines in the article. The Reformation, remember it broke from the Roman Catholic Church. So the Reformation broke with Rome, but not with Greece. They poured it into the Protestant Reformation, all the baggage of the Roman Catholic Church that it had for a thousand years in its submission to Greek philosophy. Not every aspect of what every Greek philosopher taught, but the fundamentals from Plato regarding the very essence of reality in God. Therefore, both camps, Calvinist and Arminians, are comprised of settled viewers, as are the Molinist too, named after Jesuit Luis de Molina. The next section is titled, If Exhaustive Foreknowledge is False, Who Needs Molinism? It's <laughs> a good question. The Asidi argument demonstrates one of the theological proofs falsifying exhaustive foreknowledge. So then, advocates of Molinism, including famous William Lane Craig, have no reason to posit what they call middle knowledge, that claim that knowing what all creatures would do in any circumstance is the key to explaining God's foreknowledge. So if there is no such thing as exhaustive foreknowledge, then guess what? You don't need a theology to explain it. Of course, like other theologians, including Matt Slick, William Lane Craig himself 
cannot be an eternally necessary creature. The aseity challenge apparently pushed the Reformed founder of CARM, the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, Matt Slick, into a corner, for he argued in the Q&A of his debate with Will Duffy, that each, and there's a link to that, that eternal omniscience is not an essential divine attribute. How's that? I mean, when you press these theologians, James White denied that God the Son has a human nature. How's that? Because if he did, that means he changed. And for centuries, Calvinist theologians and all those who hold to utter immutability, they've not had to defend their belief in the light of the Incarnation. So Matt Slick was backed into a corner, and he says, well, omniscience is not an essential divine attribute. How's that? Just throw it away. Slick's answer demonstrates the power of this challenge. Craig, likewise, show how twisted up settled view theologians become when he tries to thread a needle with his Molinism, claiming that God could lack the knowledge of this actual future and still be God, but that him having knowledge of all possible worlds is essential to him being God. How's that? As long as this is one of all, like the multiverse, all possible worlds, then no problem. God has the essential knowledge, and I've answered the challenge. Yet, of course, since these possible worlds include Craig, he's thus made William Lane Craig essential to God being God. Craig passively concedes this argument unless he could come out and say God could be God without having had eternal knowledge of me. If he made that statement, we'd say welcome aboard. But I don't think he will. Hey, we're out of time. We'll continue with this here on Bob and Yurt Live, Lord willing. Until then, our website, kgovkgov.com. Please consider supporting us with donations, subscriptions, or browse our store at kgov.com slash store. May God bless you. Hey, Spotify, thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, kgovkgov.com. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the program. If you've enjoyed this episode, go ahead and tell a friend about us or share the link. We'd really appreciate it. This is Bob Enyart for kgov.com. May God bless you.